everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part series on monitoring in healthcare, adding value to your ethics and compliance program through the use of an independent integrity monitor. This special five-part series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent, integrity monitoring, and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and culture, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how a independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance program, visit our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. On this exploration, I am joined by two persons from Affiliated Monitors, Jesse Kaplan, he's the Managing Director of Corporate Oversight, and Catherine Keyes, she's the Vice President of Operations. This five-part series will include, in Episode 1, an introduction to the use and value of an independent integrity monitor in the healthcare sector. In Episode 2, how proactive assessments of healthcare ethics and compliance programs and cultures work. In Episode 3, independent integrity monitoring for healthcare professionals in licensing and disciplinary procedures. In Episode 4, we'll take a look at independent integrity monitoring of conditions required of healthcare organizations or systems in non-disciplinary administrative proceedings. And we'll conclude in Episode 5 with using independent integrity assessments and monitoring to limit the adverse consequences of compliance violations. Whether you're in the healthcare industry or in another industry, this will be a fascinating exploration on how you can utilize the independent integrity monitoring concept in a wide variety of ways. I know you will find it interesting. I know you will find it useful. In this episode, Catherine Keyes discusses independent integrity monitoring for healthcare professionals in licensing and disciplinary proceedings. The Monitoring in Healthcare series, sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I am back again with Catherine Keyes, Vice President of Operations at Affiliated Monitors. And today we're going to take up the topic of independent integrity monitoring of conditions required of healthcare organizations and systems in non-disciplinary administrative proceedings. Catherine, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me and welcome today. Thanks for having me. So, Catherine, I wanted to uh, throw out a couple of uh, scenarios and get your thoughts on how independent integrity monitoring can help. Uh, the first one is uh, in the situation of hotel conversions. Many states have laws in place to protect the public's interest when a not-for-profit, uh, not hotel, I'm sorry, hospital is sold to a for-profit entity. States' attorneys general and Department of Health may impose conditions on the new entity in some cases to prevent it from simply flipping the hospital and extracting dollar value of the goodwill that was invested by the state when it was a non-for-profit. Uh, I was wondering if uh, you could e- explain a little bit more about that, uh, the the conversion and, and your experiences with that, and then uh, maybe talk about some of the types of conditions you've seen and how a monitor might help uh, with uh, some or all of those. Sure. 
So a lot of people are familiar with hospitals as not-for-profit entities. Many of them were started by charitable organizations or and or religious organizations. Uh, at this point, many hospitals have been um, acquired or at least uh, discussed, uh, engaged by for-profit entities who might be interested in acquiring them. And states are concerned that they don't just get snapped up. So state wants to make sure that the interests of the public are really protected in this kind of situation. And you can think of the many interests that the public has when a not-for-profit entity is being bought up by a for-profit entity. It includes things like making sure that the for-profit entity will be there for a reasonable period of time, that they don't just come in, gut the place, and and leave, that they um, are good neighbors, that they pay taxes, that if there were charities that were in place, that those charities continue, um, and also that they continue to meet the standards, public health standards, for example, if it's a hospital that is being converted. So those are the kinds of things that often get incorporated into agreements when there's a merger and acquisition or a, what's called a conversion if it's going from for profit, from not-for-profit to for-profit, and those are the things that the state takes an interest in. So I think when we think of monitoring in this context, it's something that the negotiators can use as a tool ahead of time to, to, as a way to plan. Here's what the state is going to be interested in, and they're going to be interested to make sure that, that the entity follows through on it. And so monitoring is a good option in that regard because it will demonstrate the commitment over time. Um, it's, we see it in the, in the non-healthcare arena as well um, with mergers or other um, federally regulated entities. Um, you see it all the time. So it, it's just in the healthcare arena, it hasn't necessarily been thought of as often, um, but it's a real tool for the entities to consider to make sure that those interests get protected. And I think, um, it, would it be helpful to talk about what it is that specifically can be monitored in this kind of situation? Would that give you some clarity around it? It, it really would because uh, – and then maybe also your thoughts on how long such a monitorship uh, would be in place and, and really the level of detail that would, would reporting would be both for the, uh, the state agency who's overseeing it, but also, uh, once again, because we've had this running theme of the public being protected. So maybe if you could give some, some specific examples of what the monitoring may involve and then really uh, things like how long and the, the level of detail. Sure. Um, typically, an ag uh, agreement in a hospital conversion, there might be an agreement for capital improvements, for example. There might be dollar amounts on that, and there might be dollar amounts per year, or there might be dollar amounts over a span of time. You wouldn't think that that would be anything less than three years. I would guess that it would be in the category of three to eight years, depending on what the long-term plans are for the acquirer, you, you don't typically, can't typically make a whole bunch of capital improvements in the first year. So you have to give yourself time to be able to do that. Um, 
So the monitor would be looking to make sure that the money got spent, actually going to the site to see the capital improvements and see that they have happened. Um, there might be uh, agreements about participation in community activities, sponsoring community activities, sponsoring community education. Um, so a monitor would be looking in that case to see whether there were advertisements about those kinds of things, whether the person or people involved actually attended them. You might even look for the, uh, to see if you could talk to anybody who had gone to any of those events. Um, another important aspect, you know, I had mentioned that there might be charitable assets. Um, somebody might have given a gift, like bequeathed the gift to a hospital that said, this is for a specific purpose. Well, if, the, if that purpose is no longer available, um, if it was for a, a wing that is getting closed down um, and not being used for the kind of care that it was set up for, there, those assets might be reassigned and there's an agreement with the state for that, for how that money will be used, often for another public good, um, something that the community deems to be worthy. And so the monitor would be looking to make sure that that continues to happen over time. Um, and you can do that through interviews, you can do it through a paper trail, you can do it. But the report itself, as you point out in this protection of the public, is a way for the the record of those um, activities to go back into the public record, to go back to the state oversight agency, the attorney general or the Department of Health. Um, often those agencies will post them online. So if you're a newspaper reporter and you want to look something up, you can see that it actually happened. If you're a member of the public, you can look and see that it actually happened. Um, and I think those are all uh, benefits. It's it got negotiated into the deal, it gets done, and then the public can see that it got done. So those are real benefits to monitoring. And I think if you're the entity that it has the most desire to get the deal done, if you know that this is some uh, a tool that you can have in your repertoire, you can offer this up as a way to facilitate a negotiation, I think that really helps expedite, helps facilitate um, an agreement and and give everyone a level of comfort about it. So let me change the uh, fact scenario just a little bit um, and ask about the granting of licenses or certificate of need and the conditions that a state may impose. This could be for a new hospital, uh, I suppose we can also say for a renewal or some other healthcare facility uh, where the state really wants to have uh, some continued uh, oversight. How would an independent integrity monitoring really help in this situation? It, it's another really good question, and it's not uh, substantively different than it is in the merger acquisition realm. It's more quantitatively different, so you probably are looking at a smaller set of conditions, but you're still looking at conditions that were agreed upon. Again, you know, somebody might be wanting an MRI, there might be a certificate of need that's associated with um, purchase of such a large piece of equipment. The neighbors are concerned that if um, a 
MRI facility is being added on to an already busy area, that there will be increased traffic, that it will impact the environment, that there will be... So there might be conditions that are imposed that the that the entity agrees to um, and that the neighbors want to make sure happened. And if you're a neighbor, you don't have a way to check necessarily that all of the things that you asked for got done. So this really has is a great reporting mechanism in that regard. Um, but also it takes some of the burden off the state. Many states, not maybe all of them, but many states just don't have the resources to have people check at the level of detail that you would like when you put these kinds of conditions in place. And and just simply relying on the entity itself to report, while everybody would like to have that level of trust, doesn't quite signal to the public that you're taking it as seriously as um, as if you impose an independent monitor. Somebody who doesn't uh, isn't part of the the inherent process. Somebody who can take an outsider's view and give an objective report on what's happening and what still needs to be done. Um, the what is that uh, expression? The, the Hawthorne effect. The things that you watch are get done. So um, the the fact of having a monitor also gives some incentive to the facility that is looking for the certificate of need or that had agreed to some changes for licensure, um, it keeps it on their radar. In a lot of places, um, compliance falls to the general counsel or to a lawyer in the facility or even somebody outside of the facility. And, you know, there's a tendency for to move down the page when you know you have an outside monitor, independent monitor who's going to come in, it keeps it um, within visibility so that compliance in this for this regard stays a priority. And I think that's important as well. It reflects a certain um, – it was important when the deal was made, and so you want to have it be important until the, the conditions are met. So I think that's what monitoring offers there. And, you know, as with anything else, it's a part of the negotiating tool. If you are somebody who wants to get the deal done and you can say, you can anticipate that the parties will want to offer some conditions or expect to meet some conditions that the monitor could come in and, um, and offer this tool that the state could really benefit from, that all the parties could benefit from. I think in New York, the New York Port Authority, uh, not in a healthcare context, but in a non-healthcare context, has um, built into their contracting process that certain contracts over a, uh, over a baseline dollar amount have monitoring built into them. And that's the kind of thing that if you're uh, negotiating on behalf of something, if you think of that as a model. Here's We're just going to think that monitoring could be built into this contract. Um, it really helps think of it as just part of the business process, I think. 
So uh, that's a great uh, way to phrase it, the business process, because one of the things that struck me, Catherine, was that the monitor, just as you said, the Hawthorne effect of just having the monitor there is going to increase awareness. But actually, the monitor can monitor can help keep things on schedule and keep the process moving forward. So um, it really uh, it's an interesting way to think about it from the business process perspective. Unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but uh, I've been visiting with Catherine Keyes, the Vice President of Operations at Affiliated Monitors. Today, we looked at independent integrity monitoring of conditions required in healthcare systems in non-disciplinary types of proceedings. I hope you'll join us tomorrow where I take a look at using independent integrity assessment and monitoring to limit adverse consequences of compliance violations. Catherine, uh, it's been a great uh, visit with you, and thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the special five-part series on monitoring and health clear. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. This special five-part series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.